Hello, and welcome to Dice Don't Die, a Pathfinder 2nd Edition podcast. Hello, and welcome back to Dice Don't Die's Deep Dive. Tonight, we are gathered here to reveal the answer to a question as old as time. Which witch is which? As it turns out, it's everyone's favorite patron-loving, hex-slinging spellcaster, the witch. I'm David. Uh, Chad's not with us tonight, as you can hear. Uh, With me tonight is Beth. Hello. And Sarah. Hey. So I wasn't around for uh, the last deep dive, but I listened to it and I loved the amount of times that you guys almost talked about alchemy and alchemist items. And then we're like, oh, but we we should wait for Sarah. So anyway, excuse me while I take the first like 10 minutes to talk about alchemy. I mean, yeah, obviously, that's what we wanted. That's why I yelled at them. (laughs) thank you thank you for sticking up for me does this mean that i get another 10 or 15 minutes somewhere else to talk about uh spells not today (laughs) get shut down (laughs) guess who's Beth's favorite (laughs) no we will be talking about some spells that's not true just maybe not 15 minutes worth of spells we'll see I mean, I'm probably also not going to talk for 10 minutes for the record, but eh, I gave myself some cushion time in there. So first things first, they introduced a whole new research field for the alchemist. So we now have the toxicologist. So this means that we're covering all four basic alchemical types that alchemists can do. So we have the bomber which is mostly attack stuff, which is what Ashka is. We have the mutagenist, people who alter their physical forms. We have, oh man, I'm going to forget this third one because I didn't write it down, but they're the healers and it's the one that Beth can't pronounce. I'm not even going to (laughs) try. I I got you covered this time. Chirurgeon. Thank you. Nice. And then now we have the toxicologist um, and they specialize in poisons. So uh, much like the bomber, their sort of built in feature for poison is that usually it takes two actions to apply a poison to a weapon. But with the toxicologist, it only takes one action. So you could theoretically um, apply a poison to a weapon and then attack and then maybe run away if that's your thing. So I think that this can be especially lethal if you archetype into rogue, because there is a specific eighth level feat that is called pinpoint poisoner. And basically if you strike um, an enemy that's flat footed or like not aware that you're there, they have a negative two circumstance bonus to save against your poison. So dang sneaky stab, but with poison. I'm here for it. This would be, so much fun to play. I'm not going to kill Ashka, I promise. But <laughs> add this to Chad's list of people to play. Yes, most definitely. <laughs> and then uh, at 15th level, you actually get to apply two poisons at the same time. Both of the effects happen. There's a little bit of, of adjustment if they have like different durations or uh, rounds that they go into effect. But basically, now you can spend 
your turn applying one poison, applying a second poison, and then stabbing. So doing tons of damage on that one. But also, I love all high-level feats because you just become super powerful and it's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's kind of insane how godlike you become at level 20. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. It is. So some other stuff I want to highlight is just some some general class feats for the alchemist. So the first one is Demolition Charge, which basically you get to set traps. So you can rig stationary objects with bombs. There's like a trigger for the action. And it's basically something coming within the range and not seeing the trap. And then it explodes. Chaos. It's a trap. Anything that explodes, I think, is kind of your jam. Yes, I, yes, I really do love it. And I actually might get this next feat, which is a healing bomb, because now you can aggressively support your allies. So basically what this does is now you can provide long range heal support if you so choose, where you're turning one of your elixirs of life into a bomb. And then basically you always hit your ally unless it's a critical miss. Oh, So even even on a miss, they take, like, all of the healing. So that's good. Unless I misread that, which I might have. As long as Ashka doesn't get that mixed up with an alchemist fire. I feel like now, between Nigel and Sunny, they sort of have the healing for the most part. Like, Like, I know we generally do healing after battles and not, like, in the middle of battle. So I don't know if Ashka needs to be, like, middle battle health support. But she's just for the we'll we'll see if I need to take that or not. But I love the idea of aggressively supporting your allies by like throwing stuff at them. Imagine how shocked you would be if in the middle of battle, Ashka just like turned and flung something at you instead of your enemies. And you're like, whoa, whoa, hold up. Wait a minute. What's going? And then you magically regain like 12 HP and you're like, never mind. I take it back. This is great. Oh, whoa. I, I guess thank you, Ashka. <laughs> oh, this was a pleasant surprise. And just to confirm, you were correct. Even on a quote-unquote failure, you hit. Yeah. It is only critical failures that you don't hit. Yep. So another good feat for the toxicologist would be the sticky poison. And basically... Uh, You can attempt a DC check, and the DC check differs depending on whether or not you originally hit your target or not. But then instead of your poison wearing off after one attack, you can extend it. So the, the DC for extending the poison is significantly higher if you hit on your first attack. But that is still a pretty cool, cool feat because then you get to use less poison overall and you can extend the longevity of your attacks, of your poison attacks. Yeah, later we're going to talk about an ability that the witch gets uh, that extends certain things. And this just, like, reminded me of that ability. It's pretty cool. I like it a lot. Something that I know I absolutely, 100% am fully behind because I love explosions and also being chaotic is the new feat, Unstable Concoction. So basically... It's a level 10, so unfortunately, not going to get that for a little bit, but still great. Level, level 10 comes around. I'm 400% getting this feat. 
So basically what happens is that using quick alchemy, so like sort of uh, using the, the leftover reagents that I haven't used in my daily prep, I can craft an alchemical item. Its level is up to two higher than my advanced alchemy level, which I'm intrigued about that because I don't know how I would know the formulas for something that's higher than my alchemy level. I wasn't aware that I could learn formulas that were higher than my advanced alchemy level. I didn't think so either. Check on that one, maybe. And then depending on how many additional uh, infused reagents I want to add to this quick alchemy will reduce the likelihood of it blowing up in my face. So I can choose to use up to three additional batches to stabilize it, but it's got a DC... 10 flat check for exploding in my face and if it does if it explodes in my face i get double the damage that it would have dealt otherwise to your face to my is that face damage face specifically face damage yeah of course it is. actually actually it's specifically force damage so it's pretty close so thinking on the unstable concoction with the two higher I bet you can add like a formula you find that's a higher level to your formula book. You just can't prepare it. Okay. I mean, I will definitely have to do some more digging into that, but this essentially allows you to do that. Yeah. So I'm just going to have like one spell or one formula at all times. That's crazy. Crazy high level. It's the next one I'm, I'm working on refining thematically. So right. That's why I have the formula. It's just not quite, right yet that actually makes perfect floating yeah narratively i like that next new alchemical items these are great for a couple of them they actually have sort of multiple uses so one of those Mm -hmm. is the crystal shards and david i think you really liked this one when you read it yeah but basically your bomb just turns into a bunch of really spiky crystal shards and you can either throw those directly at people or you can like throw them on the ground and they'll work as caltrops. So I, th- I think it's a good example of using um, an alchemical bomb for something that, you know, you might not otherwise think of using it for, you know, much the same way that you can use like an alchemist fire to set a forest fire and maybe not damage your enemies. I don't know if you want to do like a slash and burn policy on the enemy kingdoms fields ruin their supply chains or something like that i don't know slash and burn (laughs) i i I did really love that an alchemical item could deal slashing damage right (laughs) it's fun and it's not just like the leftover glass from like the flasks (laughs) i think my next favorite one is dread ampoule i don't know how to actually say this because i never took french and it looks french oh ampoule yeah. Okay. Ampule. Mm-hmm. That's how I would say it, but I say everything wrong. <laughs> Literally, I say everything wrong. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I read this, and the first thing that I thought of was like, you know, way back in, I think it was the first Christopher Nolan Batman with uh, Scarecrow. Mm-hmm. Does that sound right? Scarecrow, and he basically yeah. like puts that hallucinogen in the water, and it makes everything really terrifying. It's basically that because it deals ment. It's a bunch of gases that deal mental damage. So <laughs> I was just like, "Oh, cool! I can now like hallucinogen my enemies to death. Amazing! This is super great." 
Ghost Charge, which is the opposite of Ghostbusters. Instead of sucking them into a container, you just blast them with stuff. It's specifically positive energy, though, so it, it's, it is specifically for dealing with undead creatures. Of course. Which, if we had Ghostbusters, it might make the next item more feasible because it's ghost ink. Um, so maybe it's just like after you use the ghost charge, you just like scoop everything into a vial and you're like, aha, I have this now. Uh, but, <laughs> but ghost ink is just invisible ink. Yeah. I love it. Like, I love that idea <laughs> that like you're writing notes to your, in your journal with invisible ink. So you can't know what I'm talking about. Exactly. They're my feelings. Sorry. High school coming back all of a sudden. I thought ghost ink was what you did to people you didn't like and you stopped talking to them. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That is the most dad (laughs) thing you've said on this podcast. I hate, I actually hate it. I'm so proud of you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'll be quiet. I'm sorry, guys. There's never, we're done. Bye. We're out. Amazing. That was so good. There are a couple tweaks that you can do to it. Um, so normally it's the ink is exposed by firelight or like torch, but there are a couple different things you can do to tweak the formula and then make it a specific type of light that the ink is revealed with. So you can make it revealed by like sunrod, which is another alchemical item. So you use your alchemical items to unlock your other alchemical item secrets. Hey, bro. I heard you like alchemical items. <laughs> <laughs> Sovereign glue, uh, which is basically just just glue whatever you want together. Because in order to break it apart, you got to make a DC 50 strength check. And actually, the APG specifically mentions that a lot of times the items that are glued together will just break before you can break the bond apart yeah i saw that but then there's the next item to help with that which is the universal solvent that's true Uh, i will say that the prank potential for sovereign glue is off the charts oh yes but it but it does specify that you can only apply it to creatures that are willing so unfortunately they saw the prank potential and were like you shouldn't glue people to stuff against their will. Yeah, gluing your drunk fighter's hand to, like, his face is just gonna end poorly for you. But is it what they deserve? Yes. Oh, yeah, definitely. 100%. And I, I, having played, it was a cleric, not a fighter, but having played someone who loved Caden Kellyan and loved drinking... Like, I was a menace to society. It was great. Or, like, one night, you know, like, the fighter gets really, really drunk and passes out, and you spend a minute applying this glue and then, like, gluing something to the bottom of their feet so in the morning they can't put their boots back on. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That's awful. Stuck there for a day. It does say that, like, if you do glue something to a person, you can remove it by, like, gently taking off the first layer of skin and or, like, fur or something. Gently remove the first layer of skin. Yep. 
So anyway, I mean, you, you know, you just like wait a couple of days for it to come off. But the the prank potential is off the charts. I'm so excited to use it somehow. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure me and all of the goblins who live in Ka- in Citadel Alterian are gonna have a blast using it nope. for stuff. Absolutely not. Yes. <laughs> no. I. This hasn't been revealed yet, but I think everyone has drastically underestimated the amount that Ashka has missed hanging out with other goblins. And so, like, now that she gets to hang out with other goblins again, like, she is just going to make them chaos items. Oh my gosh. She's gonna make alchemical items and just give them to the goblins and be like, (laughs) hey. Hey, this does a thing. It's cool. So anyway. And then, yeah, like like Beth mentioned, there's a universal solvent, so it's basically take anything apart. Um, there's also, like, a molecular glue, um, where basically you can put stuff back together if they're the same compounds. It mentioned, like, maybe if one of your party members' hands get severed, you could use <laughs> that to put it back on. I was like, oh, that's neat. Then you don't gotta, like... That's horrifying. Regeneration thing. I think it was something less intense than that, but also maybe it wasn't. I don't know. The last thing, so sorry to take up 10 minutes talking about alchemical <laughs> items, but not really, is the skin stitch self. Yup, your heels. It's a liquid <laughs> band-aid. Yeah, it's liquid like, band-aid. Have you, have you ever, I don't know if any of you have ever seen that stuff, but it is freaking wild. I had to go to the hospital once. Uh, I had a cut, and this is, I was a kid. And, like, to me, that was the coolest stuff ever. It was so cool. They just glued your skin back down. It's pretty much also, like, at the time, I'm pretty sure it was just super glue. But that's okay. It was, like, so cool. Yes. So that's what this is. Or at least that's what it seems like to me. Aesthetically, it's def- that's definitely what it is. Sort of mechanically, it gives you a bonus to, like, medical checks. Mm-hmm. And battle medicine, if you have that. so Which is pretty good. The one thing that I would say about all of these alchemical items, I really love how they're taking modern inspiration for for some of these. It's really great. Just awesome. I love ghosting. I love all of- You love ghosting people? No. Oh my gosh. Thank you. You said it fast enough, it kind of sounded like it, okay? <laughs> you guys are the worst. Alright, anyway. You run through the forest, boom, a pun. <laughs> I, I hate it. You guys are the worst. Okay. There is one thing that I wanted to mention before we get into our main topic for the night. And that is a complaint. (laughs) Of course, I have to complain about something. It can't all be cookies and rainbows. There was an update to Archives of Nethys where they've made a lot of changes. They're constantly updating, guys. I don't know how I missed this one. Because it was the end of July that they made this, so almost a month ago at this point. But when they added the new versatile heritages, they had to separate out the half-human heritage. So those are now two separate pages. I'm really mad about it. Why? 
can I not be half orc, half elf? Why didn't they just make the half human air heritages, like the half elf and the half orc, versatile heritages that I can apply to anything? Why? Where are those roles? I need them right now. I would also like to complain about that because I'm actually in a 5e game right now where I'm playing a tiefling that instead of a human half, I have a goliath half. Oh, nice. It's amazing. He is 7'2 and looks like a gargoyle. So basically just a 7'2 gargoyle demon boy. Well, and you can do that if we had goliaths, which we don't, but you can be half tiefling now, right? Like that's one of the versatile heritages. Just, I want to be able to be half gnome, half orc. I, I just, I need that. I need to see those parents. Here's my thing about that specific combination. Is gnome, like corgis, a form factor? You know how you breed anything with a corgi and it just ends up as a corgi-shaped hey. whatever? <laughs> hey. You ever seen a corgi literally? husky? It's just a oh, husky yeah. in the shape of a corgi. Yeah. No, I know. Is, it, is that great. gnomes? Uh, is maybe, maybe. Is anything <laughs> half gnome just a gnome form factor? Probably. But, I mean, literally, you can say, like, enlarged person is a spell in this world. So, like, anybody can have sex with anybody. Just saying. That's all I'm going to say there. This is an important note. <laughs> Very. Uh, no, I, I'm not going to get into that, but just think about that, okay? Everybody listening? just So, so you're saying that if I get Nigel to cast a large person... Yes. I could seduce a dragon. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're not a bard, so it might not go so well, but if you're a bard... But, like, I don't have a lot of charisma, but... Hey, maybe you and that dragon are just both really into alchemical items. You hit it off. Next thing you know... Maybe we're both alchemists. I I don't know, but I need these options. I need these in my life. (laughs) Also, with your corgi thing, look up a volhound. They're really cool. A Swedish volhound. It looks like a corgi, but it actually isn't. But they're beautiful dogs. Aww. Yeah, aren't they cute? They're adorable. They are. There are not very many of them in the United States. United States. But if I ever see one that needs rescued... I'm there. Already have a dog and two cats. Doesn't matter. But do you have any cows that needed to be herded? No. But because I, I have. They are cow herd dogs. They they definitely are. Oh yeah. Well, uh, corgis very herding. Yeah, you can, you can like get your corgis to herd children. Really. Oh yeah, that's part of the reason why they're actually not good with kids usually. Because they get mad when the kids don't go where they're supposed to. Well, and they'll bite them. They'll bite their ankles, which is adorable until it hurts. The the corgi we used to have, uh, it it wouldn't bite them, but it would kind of just like nip at them a little bit mm-hmm. if, if they ran out of line. So actually, it was kind of helpful. I also had a corgi. He was too lazy to do literally anything, so he was great with kids. But he he passed away a couple years ago. But I I can also verify uh, the. Anything plus or anything times corgi equals corgi shaped anything because it was a lab and it was just a tiny lab. 
Yeah. It's just a corgi shaped lab. With a furry corgi butt. Yeah. Although I have learned, this is totally off topic, but I've learned other species of dogs or, or types of dogs also have the real fluffy heart butts. Look up miniature American shepherds. So much floof in the back end. Speaking of floof, how about this witch? <laughs> <laughs> Worst transition ever. Uh, but it does work. Yeah, today we're talking about a witch. Here's the thing, y'all. Witch is my favorite. I am positive that I have mentioned that on this podcast before. Probably many times. I played a witch for many years. She was great. I loved her. Even before that, I had played witches. Like, it is my favorite of the Pathfinder 1 classes. So today we get to find out if they did me justice. <laughs> but before we get into that, let's talk about the fantasy of the class. A lot of times when you're talking historically about quote-unquote witches, you're usually talking about some sort of herbalist or healer, uh, normally female, although there definitely have been, like, even if we're just talking about the Salem witch trials, there were men persecuted as well. But that kind of herbal remedies and concoctions, that's what a lot of people think of when we're talking about real life. The other thing that people tend to think of, like I already mentioned, the Salem uh, witch trials, right? Devil worship with a splash of racism just right in there. Casual, casual racism. Of course. And a lot of it came down to fear of the other, right? Like, that's, that's what it is. I don't understand why that woman can heal wounds. She's obviously a witch. So this is actually like an interesting fact I learned uh, the other day about, I don't want to say witch culture, but sort of like the Salem era witches that a lot of what they thought were like their spell books was actually encoded medical knowledge about women's health. Because I don't know if y'all know this, but historically men have not given a shit about women. So you don't say. Sorry, that was a little strong. But <laughs> but a lot of these books all got burned because they were uh, encoded in sort of like their own midwifery cipher. And so a lot of those books got burned and we lost a lot of medical knowledge because men were like, oh no, women can't know stuff. Mm. Really f- kind of funny funny quote-unquote uh the first season of castlevania on netflix talks about this good show by the way first season is really good yeah i'll leave it there if you want more complex opinions go to my twitter if you want more complex opinions i started the latest season and then didn't finish it so (laughs) that's, that's something yeah anyway there's also depictions of old hags uh especially in Russian folk- folklore. So we're going we're gonna to come back to that later. But this idea of the old lady who lives in the woods, kidnaps children, that is part of this fantasy of playing a witch. I play witches in all types of games. I love the idea of a modern witch who is a MLM sales rep. 
and like makes her own concoctions, right? That because that's that's what it is. When you're mixing essential oils together, what the heck do you think they're doing? They're modern witches, I'm telling you. Uh, not to be confused with actual Wiccan religious iconography and stuff. Did you say MLM? Multi-level marketing. Okay, so the circles that I run in, MLM means something very different. And I was very well, confused. What does it mean? So MLM and WLW refer to respectively men who love men uh, and women who love women. Yeah. Sort of Mlem and uh, Wallawa. She's a vampire, so sex doesn't really hold any appeal to her. I, but no, that's I. I was just no, multi-level marketing. when when you were like, oh, an MLM yeah. salesperson, and I was like, you're selling the gay dream. I Hell yes. am for it. I am a hundred percent for that gay agenda. Unfortunately, but... not. Yeah, okay. unfortunately, they're selling. Taking all your money. Yeah, unfortunately, you you got to get like eight other people underneath you before you really get any right. money. They're they're selling schemes from. I'm not thinking. I don't want to say that. from Egypt, but like you know, pyramids. <laughs> yeah, the fact that we don't regulate it is insane, and not going to get into it. Anyway, there are many, 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 many forms of witches throughout literature my favorite and i think the one of the ones that influences media even to this day is macbeth and i have two quotes from macbeth for you first by the pricking of my thumbs something wicked this way comes is still a phrase that people will use today and then the idea of which is using animal parts, definitely comes from Macbeth. In the cauldron, boil and bake, eye of newt and toe of frog, wool of bat and tongue of dog, adder's fork and blind worms, worms sting, lizard's leg and how- howlet's wing. The witch is becoming for Sebastian. Oh. Quick, quick note, also code. Like, all of oh, those, yeah. like, animal parts also code they were all like actual herbs and medicinal stuff going on yeah but in most media right it's literally an eye of newt right and it's sebastian's wing that they've cut off just not historically accurate but you know correct good thing there's that uh heal animal spell that's true that opens up a whole nother bag of worms but anyway so now we're going to get into the actual Pathfinder 2 Witch. And there is, I, I want to talk about patrons first. I you know usually we go over some different mechanical things that they get, but in order to understand the witch and everything that sort of makes her special, we have to look at patrons, which I understand are thematic, but that's what classes are. That's what these fantasies are. They're all thematic. So it, that's where I wanted to start. And I, I, again, want to start with another quote. I'm full of them today, guys. And this is in regards to a witch's patron being a mysterious entity, an unknown presence, right? And it says, every witch is different and no story is wrong. So long as it is fun and engaging for everyone involved. 
And I love that, right? Like, that is just touchy-feely enough for this GM's warm heart. So, for the most part, with one exception, the patrons are indeed themes. And what I mean by that is that they are not specific entities. Except for one. So, we have the curse patron. The fate patron. The fervor patron. The knight patron. These all you can twist into whatever actual entity. If you want to explore that in your games and with your GM, you can create that and make it your own. But thematically, there are one gonna be what gives you your spell list because here we have another one that can take all four spell lists. Which the fact that Fervor is the divine patron, oh, I love it. Like, just eating it up right now. Occult is going to be the most common, but you do have Wild and Winter, which are both primal, and Rune, which is arcane. Which each of those, you can kind of sort of make your own. And I really, really like it. Except for one. And I love it even more because of how specific it is. And that is the Baba Yaga patron from Lost Omens Legends. Because, of course, there's a, there's a tale about her, and uh, there's like a whole page write-up on Baba Yaga specifically. And you guys knew I was going to be excited about this. I love Correct. her. I'm, I'm in the process. I, it went on pause for a really long time, but I'm in the process of painting her house right now. I love it. I just love it. Uh, but yes, so Baba Yaga specifically is your patron. You get access to the occult spell list. Uh, your patron skill is nature. So these are all the things each patron is going to give you a spell list specifically. A patron skill, a hex, which we'll get more into that in a second, and a, a patron spell for your animal companion, your familiar. So with Baba Yaga, you have spirit object is your hex, which is just really cool. And chilling spray, where you freeze people. So, pretty great. I love that idea. Baba Yaga is the best. So, as I've already alluded to, witches are casters. Their primary ability is going to be intelligence. However, they also have hexes in their arsenal. Now, for Pathfinder 2... These sort of thematic elements are focus spells. That's what they are. So the hexes are just additional focus spells that you can get through feats and, of course, your patron. And we'll be talking some specific ones here in a bit. But so you get the hexes, you get spells, obviously. Now, how many spells do wizards get at first level? Do you happen to know off the top of your head? David? Um, like to add to their book or like spell slots per day? Uh, to add to their book. That's not daily. That's as you level up. No, how many can you cast in a day? Oh, cast in a day? Uh, yeah. Two, two level one spells. And then you can prep five different cantrips. Perfect. So that is exactly what the witch has as well. So we have... Wizard level spellcasting, plus more 
because witches are the best. And then looking at how that progresses, it, it, it is entirely what the uh, wizard does. Perfect. That's what I thought, and that's what it was in first, but I forgot to look it up, so I, I knew you would know. I knew you would. Unlike a wizard, you don't have a spell book. You have your familiar. And your familiar is a magical animal that has been gifted to you from your patron. And your spells and hexes that your patron gifts you are gifted through your familiar. Which is, to this day, one of the best, best things ever. I just love it. I love the concept of being like, oh, right. do, you, do you have a spell book? No, I have an animal. And this animal knows all of my spells. <laughs> yes. Now, I will say, in first edition, you could get royally effed if your spellbook died. And it could take you quite a long time to get that back. And it's, it, there, you couldn't get everything back. Like, hmm. you would lose stuff. It was terrible. It happened to me once. Uh, never again. But anyway... This edition, they've taken care of that. If your animal or your familiar were to die, you get a new one the next day. And it is gifted to your patron. It can thematically be resurrected, reincarnated, or an entirely new animal. I love the concept of this being like a Doctor Who situation, where like your <laughs> animal companion has enough of a personality that it can like ask your patron to reincarnate it with like red hair or like mm -hmm. you know something just slightly different yeah i think it's terrifying could you imagine like grieving the loss of sebastian and then the next day sebastian's knocking on your window like that's creepy yeah but i love it love it except this time he's a hawk <laughs> yeah so sebastian comes back as an eagle yeah it's just terrifying but anyway, if you want to teach your animal companion new spells, you make them eat it. I they love eat that. scroll. Steady diet of paper. Yeah, it's so great. Like thematically, the witch is just perfection. Wait, so the <sighs> witch's familiar is basically Kirby. Oh, definitely. Can your familiar be a slime? Yes. And then can, you can if your slime stuff. dies, would it be that time I got reincarnated as a slime? Is that a reference? Yes. It's oh, fine. Okay. Don't worry about it. Okay. I think it's an anime. It is. It was a little bit of a stretch, though. Okay. The familiar, I do believe, gets an extra ability every day as well. Yes, your familiar gains an extra ability at level one and gains another extra at sixth, twelfth, and eighteenth. Just a note for familiars learning spells, your familiar can also learn a spell from a different witch's familiar, and it takes the same amount of time, and they have to hang out together, and then basically you just have to give the other familiar a treat. It's perfect. You have to give it a snack and be like, like please teach my animal your <laughs> wisdom. Yes, absolutely. And then they just stare at each other for a couple hours. Yes. It's creepy, and I love it. It's amazing. I, I don't know if you guys can tell, but I'm just in heaven right now. Let's get into hexes, because hexes are different. And we'll get into a little bit how they used to work, but I want to go over how they are now. 
Hexes are focus spells. They cost one focus point to cast, uh, and you start with just one. You regain your focus point by commuting with your animal. What I'm trying to tell you all is I am a witch. I'm literally sitting here. My animal companion is right next to me. He keeps pawing at me. It's my cat. And he he gets annoyed with me. And if he gets annoyed with me, I, I don't get my focus points back. Anyway. I like that Beth is explaining this like we hadn't already figured it out. Just saying. I guess you weren't necessarily talking specifically to me and David, but... No. No, you guys knew already. So, these hexes that are the focus spells, a lot of them, if you played a witch before, will sound familiar. Because they're great! Evil Eye, Discern Secrets, Shroud of Night, Stoke the Heart. Like, I, they're perfect. They're just named perfect. Evil Eye was one of the most commonly used hexes, I would say. In first edition, I used it constantly. Now, the only way you can get it is if you're the curse patron. So I'm a little sad by that. First of all, I would like to say that I love the curse patron because it just seems like a Perry the Platypus doofenshmirtz situation where, like, your whole purpose is just to foil other people. Like, the greatest joy in life is just making sure that other people can't do what they want Mm -hmm. you're just there to troll people and that's it yes i i absolutely love it also you have nudge fate which is pretty great you can give people re-rolls when we talk about the witch as sort of a role in the party and this is true now as it was in first edition there's many different paths that you can take right you can go full wizard and just, I'm going to blast spells all the dang time. I'm, that's going to be my focus, is having just the right spell for every situation. That wasn't really how I played it. I definitely played the curse witch. I debuffed my enemies as much as possible. Oh, you want to do something? Mm-mm, no, actually, you can't. Or you get a negative four to that. So, sorry. And that is what the curse patron does. It allows you to give people the frightened condition, which frightened is pretty dang good. And then if they crit fail, they get frightened too. So that's pretty awesome. And then another hex that I wanted to point out is cackle. Because cackle was also in first, and we'll talk more about that later. But it is a reaction that you can take that is a quick burst of laughter where you prolong a magical effect you have created. You can sustain a spell. It doesn't have to be a hex. Don't bards have this too? Uh, Yeah, I think so. But we're not talking about them right now, so... I know! (laughs) I'm just saying that for people who are more familiar with bards, that there is a bard feat that that works like this too. I don't remember the name, but it's it's like resounding performance or something like that. Lingering composition. Sure, that's the first one. Yeah. And it also extends. So that one is not for spells. I don't know if they get one for spells, but Lingering Composition allows you to uh, sustain a bard song composition for longer. Uh, Three rounds on a success, four on a critical. Right. 
It is pretty good. I like that one too. It, it is also a first level focus spell, as Cackle is. But I, I don't know if they have something that sustains a spell as a reaction. So good. Next, we have Lessons. So this is just essentially a thematic way of saying, okay, you can get more hexes. You can take a feat that gives you a lesson. Also, class abilities will give you a lesson from your patron, which allows you to pick a hex from a list. So when it's a basic lesson, you can pick the lesson of dreams or the lesson of life. When you have a greater lesson, you can get the lesson of shadow, things like that. Like I said, feats and class abilities will give you those. It is one, I, I did want to mention this, that it reminds me of the druid. Where you have a feat that gives you a spell. Or no, you have a feat that gives you an ability that gives you a spell. Right? And so, like, it'll reference this page, and then it'll reference that page. And then by the end, you're in a totally different page. I hate that. This feels very much like that to me. You have a feat that gives you a lesson that gives you a hex. However, it also gives your familiar an ability as well. So... There is that, but I'm not a huge fan of the essentially tree you have to go down just to get one ability. So that's the lessons. In terms of just regular abilities that they get, uh, it's pretty basic. It's going to be pretty standard. You get your ancestry feats, your ability bonuses, improvements to your saves, which, by the way, they are... Only expert in will, trained in fortitude and reflex. You're also only trained in unarmored defense. This is standard, standard stuff. One of the cool things that they do get that I thought was pretty awesome was defensive robes, uh, which I don't know. Do wizards get that too? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really kind of a, a cool ability. But essentially through spellcasting and defensive training your proficiency in unarmored defense goes up. So, you know, you make your ropes cooler. I was looking at, um, you know, at, like at what levels they increase their fortitude or reflex saves or whatever. And they get the same increases as wizards do, but it looks like they're like the levels are swapped. Cause I know for Nigel, the wizard at fifth level gets lightning reflexes, but for the witch, they get fortitude instead of mm-hmm. reflex. Which, you get magical fortitude at level 9. Uh, I believe so. And we, the witch gets lightning reflexes at level 9. So yeah, you're Did right. Did you almost say we? Yeah. <laughs> I want to play! I want to play one so bad. Alright, anyway. And then, as always, we have to go over the capstone ability, because it's literally the best thing that they're ever going to get. You are able to get your 10th level spell. And you get the patron, you get access to the patron's truth feat, which gives you an additional 10th level spell slot. I love 10th level spells. It's new to this edition. They're really cool. None of my campaigns have hit level 20 yet, so I haven't played with the level 20 stuff. They just look so awesome. Just, just let me be a demigod, please. I want to be the demigod of witches, like in Pathfinder. That seems like a good, like a good time. It, it does, doesn't it? 
don't the don't the tenth level spells have like a tiny asterisk next to them? Yes. I don't like. I don't remember what the tiny asterisk is though. They work differently, but I can't remember what. Let me look it up real quick. Derp. I mean, it's probably not that important if you weren't going to mention it in the first place anyway. Who knows? It's got. Maybe I it's think it's got stupid. something to do with the way that your familiar knows the spell. So it has to be gifted through your patron. Yeah. These spell slots cannot be used for abilities that let you cast spells without expending spell slots or abilities that give you more spell slots. You don't gain more 10th level spells as you level up. So essentially, all of your feats, they don't count for 10th level as well. It's a balancing factor. So the only way that you can get two level 10 spell slots is be level 19 and then take patron's truth which is level 20 that's the only way you can get two of them yeah i looked the a similar note is under the wizard but i'd never read that before yeah yeah i think all of the level 10s work that way that would probably make sense it's sad i want to I don't like anything hampering my ability of being a witch demigod, so of course I'm upset by it. As a GM, it's completely logical. I love that you like aren't even playing a witch right now, and you're like, this is hampering my future ability to be a witch demigod. Shh. I'd like it to stop. Stop it. Don't Don't put these words out into the universe. <laughs> no, I just, I'm telling you guys... It's literally the best class, and I'm still in love with it. Let's talk... I'm going to actually switch this up. Let's talk feats, and then talk spells. (laughs) Because feats are pretty class-specific, where the spells wizards can take to. Well, depending on your tradition. We'll get into that in a minute. But let's talk feats. Which feats are so cool. However, again, I have another complaint. Paizo, where's the cook people feat? Where's that? I don't see it. It better be in an upcoming book. Why just the feat? I'm just saying. I wanted the ability to gain extra benefits from eating people. He said cook people feat. No, no. The cook people feat. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You're the worst. No, it it, it, it was an evil hex that you could take. That essentially eating sentient creatures, you, you gained benefits from it. Obviously, it was evil. But uh, yeah, I want to be able to cook people. Gosh, alive or like you've cut like you've cut up some enemies, and then you're like, can't let this go to waste. Better make a stew. I don't know. Could be either. Yike. <laughs> like I said, it was an evil, evil feat yeah. or hex. I mean, uh, I was never allowed to take it. Still sad about that. However, there's some really good feats out there. A couple that I wanted to point out. One is level two and one is level four. You can get living hair. So your hair is constantly growing and you can use it as like a prehensile tail, but it's actually your hair. Your hair can wield weapons. They can trip, disarm. They are considered agile and finesse weapons. It's the best. I want prehensile hair so bad. It's like some next level Medusa. Yes. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. And then to go with my living hair, I want Eldritch Nails. Obviously. 
I know many of you listening don't know this, but I, I always have my nails done. I absolutely love having nice, sharp, pointy nails. It's my favorite thing. I need this in my life. Your nails are supernaturally long and sharp. So you get an unarmed attack that deals 1d6. Again, they are considered agile and unarmed. I can beat people up with my hair and then claw their eyes out as a witch. Really living the dream here. I know. What more could you need? It's just wonderful. Uh, Obviously, you're going to have access to lessons. So that's how you can get additional feats. You have access to metamagic feats that augment your spells. The cackle feat will allow you to not only get the cackle hex, and this is a feat you can take a level one, by the way, but it also increases your focus points by one. The one kind of sad thing is, is I almost feel like that is a mandatory feat. Like You have to take it. Well, because then you get two focus points right off the bat instead of just one, right? Exactly. Yep. And you get cackle, which is a reaction to sustain a spell, which right. doesn't have to be a hex. It's great. It's fantastic. Take that. Take that feat. It's mandatory feat. It's just calling it right now. Let's see here. You got your lessons. Obviously, you can make your familiar better. The witch has her own specific improved familiar feats because her her familiar is already different than everybody else's. So when you take, say, at 8th level, the incredible familiar feat, you get six abilities each day instead of four, which is cool. Instead of spell focus, you can take a hex focus at 12th level. So that means if you've spent two focus points the last t- since the last time you refocused, you recover two instead of one. So just you're constantly recharging those focus points. And then finally, my favorite thing, my favorite feat, always will be, split hex. This is an 18th level feat, and there's a reason it's an 18th level feat. Because it's the coolest. It's so great. You cast a harmful hex that normally has a single target. You reduce its level by two, but you can cast it on two targets. So now your hexes affect two people. It's just so good. Mwah. Have I have I gushed enough yet? I don't think so. I I can take over for a second if you want me to. Go for it. <laughs> there's so much good stuff. It's all good. So there's a level one feat wart witch. You can make your familiar a leshy familiar, and then it, it adds some additional abilities onto that to sort of give you a, a reason to take it other than just for flavor. So if you ever wanted your own Sunny, you could take that feat. And then I also saw that level 14 is kind of along the lines of metamagic. It's called Reflect Spell. Uh, it, it requires you to take Counter Spell mm-hmm. first. Uh, but th- this one, I remember, it's it's not the same as like the, the Wizard or the Sorcerer. When you successfully counter a spell you reflect it back at the caster just automatically. Whereas if I think if you were a wizard, you had like, you could, you could cancel it out. But you couldn't just send it back. And what level is that? 14. That's very cool. Yeah. Any other feats? Oh yes. I was forgetting one. 
How could I forget? So there was one more I wanted to talk about an, a level 20. So again, you, you gotta get all the way up there. But you can get a witch's hut through your house walks around. It literally turns you into Baba Yaga. Yes! Like, and it's it specifies specifically that if you give your hut legs, it is bone or bird legs. Absolutely love it. The witch is just you can just be Baba Yaga. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. That is well, outrageous. I mean, not exactly. <laughs> Cause she's a little more powerful than that, but you you can be a lesser Baba Yaga. Uh, so let's talk a few spells that I feel fit the witch aesthetic. These are all new spells that came out with the APG. When we're talking about the APG classes, I want to make sure to mention some of the cool spells that they get. And I picked one from each tradition as well. So the first one is Blister. And this is on the arcane list. It is a necromancy spell. So just FYI. But you are able to grow blisters on an enemy. And then they pop. They burst open. And they take damage based on it. Yeah. Hey, uh, no thanks. Oh, no, it's great. I'm sorry, but that is so witch-like. Like, this is so good. It's technically not just an arcane spell, but it's arcane, occult, and primal. But yeah, it's a level 5 spell. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> David just made a horrific face. Yeah. It's Each gross. creature within a 15-foot cone. <laughs> yeah. Those are some blisters. <laughs> yeah, right? On a crit failure, if they fail their fortitude save critically... Four blisters, each one doing 76 damage. It's literally the best. Like, I love it. The next one is Countless Eyes. This is a buff spell, divination. I picked this one for the, I think, primal spell list, but it's on the arcane, occult, and primal spell list. You touch something, they grow eyes all over their body. Which means they cannot be flanked. When they take the seek action, it's a 30-foot burst. <laughs> yeah. In, in, yeah. Oh, no. Absolutely. I feel like they should also get a bonus to intimidation. <laughs> yeah, probably. A circumstance bonus. Not to tell you how to do your job, but like, <laughs> if, if I was a GM and somebody was like, yeah, I've put eyes all over this body, like, that's if you're fighting that, that's terrifying. I know it's really good. How, how do you how do you do like the two fingers? I'm watching you. If there's eyes just everywhere, you just wave your hands in front of and behind you. You do the but hokey then what pokey. What if people think there's like bees or something? <laughs> I I got nothing. Honestly, I think just staring at them will be enough. I think I think yeah. they'll get it. Oh, it's so great. Well, because you could swivel all of the eyes to their direction, and I think they would get it pretty fast. Right? Like, all I can imagine is, like, Nigel having just eyeballs all the way up his arms. It's like, like those you... paintings that follow you around the room. Oh, it's yeah. Like it's <laughs> a person covered in eyeballs. Right. It's so great. Oh, my gosh. It just makes me happy. 
so next, I have Wall of Flesh. I love that all of these just sound terrifying. Oh, I, I love Wall of Flesh. It <laughs> is so nightmare fuel. So you create a 20-foot wall of living flesh in a straight line up to 30 feet long. So it's 20 feet tall, 30 feet wide, and then you can choose one of the features for it. It's covered in mouths, eyes, arms. Oh no, that's it. Just those three. I thought there was another one too. Yeah. So you can have it covered in like teeth all over, just teethy mouths that, uh, you know, bite at people if they try to climb it. Eyes give you bonus to your perception. And arms, uh, in order to get over it, have they have to attempt a reflex save. Because, you know, they're constantly grabbing at you. It's so great. There's no way that mouths isn't the most terrifying. Oh, it definitely is. Well, I, I, what I don't understand I, I can make is, it worse. is... I don't understand why anybody would want to use this with eyes. Because it seems like all it does is give you a plus two bonus to perception checks. That's a fifth level spell. Yeah, but you can use it to determine a line of sight for spells. So if, you know, things are trying to hide from you, you can use that. (laughs) Yeah, it's gross. But here's why mouths is better. You can feed it potions. It will heal. You can heal your wall of flesh. (laughs) You both look terrified. I'm sorry, I had forgotten about prestidigitation, and now I'm just thinking of all of the additional terrifying things mm-hmm. that you can make it look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tentacles. You would pick the hands, but they just look like tentacles. Yeah. No, I know. It's so great. It's so great. Uh, so for my last one, I picked a level one spell. I felt like we had some higher level ones. I needed a good level one spell called Deja Vu. It's an enchantment spell. Essentially, what this does is they make a will save and they just do what they already did over again. So this tactically, which is kind of how I was thinking about it, you you make a creature move away from you. So say on their last turn, they moved up to you. You cast this. Now they have to move again. Like, that's what they have to do. Now, I, I, I think this is very situational. I will say that. If they cast a spell the last time in their turn, but they don't have that spell again, obviously they can't do that. You can make somebody walk off a cliff with this. Again, situational, but still, it's pretty great. The last feat that I wanted to talk about is the Witch Dedication. So this is if you... Or something else, and then decide, man, I'm really, really jealous of the witch. It's a level two feat. You have to have a 14 intelligence, but you cast spells like a witch. You get patron, you get a familiar, you get two cantrips, uh, you are trained in spell attack rolls, whatever your patron's tradition are, is, is the spells that you get, and uh, you get later access to more witch archetype feats. My question is, though, why would you do this? Why wouldn't you just play a witch? The best class. You know, maybe maybe you didn't discover that you wanted to be a witch until later in life. Okay. 
And by then you've already taken a couple levels in Rogue. But here's the thing. That might benefit you. Those, uh, those levels in Rogue. Because then maybe your witch hair and fingernails will do more damage. They do stink attack damage. Yeah. Okay, there's some pretty good combos that I could come up with. I don't know how much that will actually work, but we'll see. I- I'm just wondering uh, how many people out there are thinking about taking like a a monk feet or a monk class with a witch dedication and then using the uh growing hair attack as an un- yes. <laughs> unarmed monk yes. yes oh my gosh i love it well let's talk about ancestries that kind of fit with this so i know sarah you have yours that we know you're gonna say and david we know you have yours that you're gonna say so let's get those out of the way so clearly, uh, as is the best ancestry to play with literally any class, it's the goblin. Mm-hmm. They don't have a penalty to intelligence. So that's right. in your favor. Because intelligence is, is the same primary stat that you want for your witch as you want for your alchemist. So mm-hmm. that didn't I, slow me down making an alchemist goblin. So It's true. And you haven't been penalized for it either. I would argue that Hobgoblin would be a better choice, but either one are pretty good. Uh, David, your turn. So, of, of course, I think humans can do anything. Uh, they can do it pretty I well. I know you do. No, but, like, which ancestry should we pick for the witch? I mean, iconically, <laughs> I think she's human. You got me. Oh, wait. I am dumb. But, uh... I think for the human specifically, there is an ancestry feat that works really thematically well with the witch, and that is Gloom Seer. Ooh. Uh, the gloom holds few terrors for you. You gain low light vision. That's nice. it? <laughs> uh, that's it. But- <laughs> well, there was a witch feat that allows you to see through mists. So, like, thematically, those two go together really, really well. I like it. Yeah. Uh, so I have to bring up my favorite, which is from the APG. So there, there is that. The Rat Folk. So that is the ancestry my, my witch was. She was awesome. Her name was Jax, by the way. Freaking great. They get dexterity and intelligence. Already were ahead of the game. Thematically, how creepy is it? To have a small rat-like creature hexing you and then cackling in your face. I mean, are are rat folk common? Like, if I, I assume if they're like an ancestry, you can play like they're at least fairly common, and people know they exist in the world. Correct. So. They they are uncommon, but not rare. Okay. Okay. Because I was like, I mean, if you see rat folk every day, it's probably just normal, terrifying. <laughs> just normal terrifying you know it's not like oh it's not God. like extra spoopy because like you've been around rat folk and maybe you don't have you know those unconscious biases that you need to work through but it's true if you don't see rat folk every day and then you're like hey wait do you like the shadow rat is probably my favorite heritage to go along with that essentially uh animals like you more so you can use intimidation to coerce animals Wait, they like you more, so you intimidate them and bully them around? Well, I guess they dislike you more. Excuse me. 
because animals' attitudes actually towards you are one degree worse, but you bully them. Oh. So they do what you say. Interesting choice. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I also... Wait, wait. How are you going to be a person with an animal... How are you going to be a rat folk with an animal familiar when all of the animals hate you kind of more? (laughs) Well, my animal companion was gifted through my patron, but also it'd be kind of cool that like they smart off to me all the time. Oh, you think (laughs) you're really intimidating? Not really. Like, Baba Yaga sent me here, and she's way more terrifying than you. You're just a wannabe. Exact. Oh my gosh. I love this idea of a uh, familiar that just smarts off all the time. Just floating around it. being like, ooh, la-di-da, you can cast first level spells. Look at you. Proud of you. <laughs> you did it. Do you want me to go get your sippy cup next? Or like... <laughs> Oh, wow. You did a whole 1d4 damage. (laughs) Really helping the party out there, Susan. (laughs) (laughs) Gosh, I love it so much. So two ancestries that I think would also really work. I like thematically an orc or half orc. There's already this fear of orcs, especially... uh, in certain parts of Galarian. And so preying on that to essentially make people more afraid of being like, oh, you have these internal biases. I'm just going to prey on that. And now you're hexed. Love that. Just going to uh, make it a little bit worse. <laughs> right, exactly. It's just like, oh, I'm going to sit here and mock you now. And then I also wanted to bring up the Tengu, which are also from the APG. They don't have intelligence as a ability boost but they don't have an ability flaw all they have is dex and free so you don't have any flaws you could really take these and make a very well-rounded witch especially if you're trying to focus more on buffing your target where you you don't need those extremely high dcs uh that could be really really beneficial helpful and thematically really cool how does playing a Tengu work uh, in the world of, like, birds aren't real? Like, can you imagine the chaos of that oh conspiracy God. theory with Tengu? It just wouldn't work. I'm confused. Are there people out there that really think birds aren't real? Yeah, b- <laughs> birds aren't real. They're surveillance drones from the government. They work for the bourgeoisie. Yeah. <laughs> Birds aren't real. <laughs> oh my gosh, we're not getting into this. How do, how do they explain chicken? Oh. David, we will I'm send sorry. you information I'm on sorry. this movie. You're going to have to go down this rabbit hole yourself. Oh my gosh, but we're not I getting into that. I can't believe you didn't know this didn't exist. Oh my gosh. All right, so we've talked a lot about the witch, and I've kind of. I've already really talked about what the first edition which looked like but i do want to point out a couple of differences their hexes were not spells and this made them uniquely powerful because they were a full spellcaster and they had hexes they're really really great 
what I like that they kept for second edition is that they have so many niches in the party that they can fill. Like they can be your healer. They can be a debuffer uh, for status effects on the enemies, which also goes into battlefield control. Uh, they can be a spell slinger. They can be a summoner. There's so many things that witches can do. Very versatile class. And they still are. I think that depending on what patron you pick, it's going to influence. Like, obviously, if you're picking curse, you're going for, I want to mess with the enemy as much as possible. As I had mentioned, since their hexes weren't spells, you got them, you got a new hex every other level. So you actually had more hexes in first edition than you're probably going to get in second edition. Like, no matter how many feats you take. And you could take feats in first edition to get more hexes. So they were extremely rounded classes. They also had major hexes and grand hexes, so these were more powerful. Uh, and that's not something that we have anymore. The familiar was pretty much the same as it is now. Uh, we're at eight spells. <laughs> I want to say they have more hit points in second edition, too. Let me look. No, this is the same. D6 in both. I'm really glad that I'm going to be able to use the uh, evil eye and cackle. That, that's something that, like, in first edition, I would do constantly. Uh, cackle unmodified was a move action. Uh, then you could take feats to make it a swift action. Now it's just a reaction. Uh, I think it's a reaction. I think I called it a reaction earlier. That's what, yeah, that's what you that's said right. earlier. Oh. I know, but I don't actually think that's right. I think I messed that up. Let me look it up real quick. Uh, it doesn't have the symbol. I always, some of those symbols I get confused. So a reaction, it would be the little arrow, the little circular arrow. It's not. I think it's a swift action. Is it like the, the, the diamond for a spell, except there's like empty Clear. space in the middle of it? Yeah. That's a, that's a free action. Free action. Thank you. Yeah, so I misspoke earlier when I said it was a reaction. It's a free action, which makes it just so good. Uh, but anyway, yeah, you could, in first edition, Cackle was a, originally a move. So it would be like a single action. Uh, the the witch in Pathfinder One is actually one that I've heard on a podcast. Someone play, yeah. So I, I'm curious to to see how the change from like uh, like because you can just cackle every turn, right? Oh yeah, all the time. Um, but now cackle takes a focus point, so like you can't just continually do that throughout a combat. Yeah curious how that affects the weight of the class, I suppose. I think that later levels, it's not going to be as used. Especially because you're going to have so many so many other hexes that you're going to want to do. Okay. But the fact that it's a swift does, you know, make it convenient. So, what do you guys think of the witch? I like it. it it's like a sorcerer, except they actually had to do something for their magic. 
I was gonna say, isn't it just like a warlock? Because you get your power yes. from a patron. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, definitely, I see similarities there. Uh, we don't we don't have anything like arcane blast though. So or eldritch blast. Eldritch blast. <laughs> no, we just have eldritch fingernails instead. Yeah, exactly. It's better. Eldritch scratch. My favorite thing about the witch is how excited you are about the witch. <laughs> I get... Okay, so I get excited about everything Pathfinder. Like, let's just be real here. But I think this is the one I've been most waiting for. And I think this is the one that I was most excited for. You'll notice we we only had two topics today. Usually we have at least three topics. Today I was like, no, we're only talking about the witch. <laughs> And Sarah was like, no, wait, hold on. <laughs> no, wait, we're also talking about alchemy. Yeah, but no, the the witch is thematically my absolute favorite. But even just rules-wise, I think they did a really good job. There's always going to be some tweaks of things that I wish that were different. But at, when it comes down to it, it's a very well-designed class, in my opinion. I like it. How many Beth points? Ooh, how many? I'm going to say this one goes all the way to 11. Oh, wow. 11 death points. That's yeah. pretty impressive. It's the witch. I got I to gotta do it. <laughs> I, can't, I cannot give Baba Yaga less than 11. Yeah, otherwise you won't get your chicken hut. Exactly. And I need a chicken hut. Oh, I need it so bad. <sighs> all right. I'm done. I promise. All right, Chad, take us out. Oh, Oh, wait, wait a second. <laughs> so get out there and draw your own plans for a witch. Uh, whether the familiar gifted to you by your patron is an adorable, fluffy kitsune or a fiendish nightmare of an imp, they are valid, and so are you. Thanks for joining us, and remember, dice don't die. But player characters do. Thanks for listening to Dice Don't Die. Hey, if you like what we do, please visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dice Don't Die. Or email us at DiceDon'tDiePod at gmail.com. The intro and outro song, Crunk Night, were created by Kevin McLeod. More of his work, and the work of many others, can be found royalty-free at filmmusic.io. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next adventure.